0: Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast, my name is Pete and I go by the name for AFL Ratings, Pete on Twitter. Welcome to Man You Know on Twitter, it is T. welcome to the show, Jepp. Hey Pete. We are getting to the interesting stage of the AFL Fantasy season and there have been some monster scores recently.
1: Yeah, it was a huge round, wasn't it? It uh, sort of puts uh, those with the ultimate primos in, in a good spot and uh, I think that might be a trend for the next month.
0: Well, that's where we get into the early stage of the season. You, you know, obviously, you're you're looking at, at a um, financial situation where you're trying to extract as much coin into your bank as possible and upgrade to all those premiums, uh, scoring top players. So, um, and that sort of played out um, out on the weekend. Those with those coaches with the higher uh, ceiling type players uh, really cashed in on the weekend. yet. Yeah,
1: exactly. The lads, um, Oliver's, uh, Took Miller's, they all really hit their straps, um, and then doubling on the captain. Unfortunately, in my case, I made Mills captain, and it really hurt in a round like that, where um, yeah, I was basically behind by 100 points, uh, near enough. So, yeah, never never mind, we just got to try and nail it.
0: We are at the stage of the season where unique options and decisions need to be made. Name three areas of focus to close out your season.
1: So for me, mate, it's points of difference. Now I don't really die wondering in this stage of the game. I I've got to be different to try gain rank, but still be sensible. And I suppose a good example of that is Hugh Cloggage. I've harped on about him for a few weeks now, and he's a high ceiling player that not many people are. Uh, you know, not much ownership is present right now. So um, yeah, it's points of difference is one, two, nailing the captains. It's probably a lesson from the weekend for me, um, although, you know, Mills was, you know, in the ideal situation, it was a good match-up and his history was great, so trying to nail the captains at least, and then three is just team depth. At, at the moment, after trades, I actually don't have a emergency in my forward line, um, assuming what teams are going to be like, so that keeps me a bit nervous, um, and that might sting me later, and probably other coaches, so... As long as we have a solid emergency in each line, I think it's going to pay dividends. Yeah, for me,
0: uh, my number one obviously is captain selection. So uh, you're looking at uh, quality matchups against opposition mids. You know, those teams that are struggling this part of the year, we're giving up heaps through the midfield. Uh, obviously, we've got a stack of midfielders in our team. So yeah, really honing in those uh, really good matchups. Sometimes it doesn't generally work out, but most of the times it generally would. But the other thing there is on the captain selections is you know is just a tweak it just a little bit just to go a little bit unique. So where you, where you think there's going to be a popular captain option upcoming? You know I thought Mills was going to be a popular captain option last week. So it's just one of those ones where you know if you if you need to gain rank and we get we're talking about one percent two percent you know decisions right now and when most teams are pretty much stacked and it's really similar. That you're looking for any edge uh, possible, so to leverage off a you know a popular choice, um, i.e. Mills last week, you know to go onto somewhere different um, is, is generally something you should be looking at this end of the season. Uh, second, secondly for me, and this is what I did on the weekend. Again, it was sort of going against the trend of what I thought was going to happen. Uh, my, dis- my thought process was that James Cheetahs was going to be a popular option as a trading target, jet. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I-, I actually even agree with that. He was my number one for last week. But my, my number two and-, and-, and inside my top three was Jace Burgoyne. So, you know, we're not talking about uh, potentially putting these players on the grand at this stage of the season. But, you know, if we get a late withdrawal, a real, real late withdrawal, um, you know, we're potentially going to have to start to play these players, Jep. So, and obviously we're still dealing with some illness, COVID, and we've talked about that heaps through this podcast this year. We're going to get a situation potentially to finish out the year where we're going to have to fill one of these players. So, um, quite popular last week. I thought James Cheaters was, and I, he was my number one. But, you know, in hindsight, he was going to play that small forward role. I wasn't going to be inside pure mid, and that's where he racks up his pure numbers, especially through the VFL. He's a hard inside midfield contester type player. It's what, exactly what we want for a basement type salary player. But because, you know, once I put it all together, is that, you know, uh, Cheetahs was going to be highly traded in, right? There was my number one. So, okay, I need to go different for me. So, you know, Jace Bergen, his numbers have been staggering in the NFL. So, you know, he was going to play that ideal role, which was half back. So once we sort of found that out late last week, he was going to play in that role... Um, You know, his position in the team might be a little bit more short-term, or could be even equal to what Cheetahs was. Um, But Jasper, look, his situation was going to be really good, and he could could have collected, uh, uh, accumulated a stack of disposals, and he actually scored quite well in the end. You know, Cheetahs didn't spend that much time on ground, which I thought was quite unusual, but those game conditions weren't ideal either. so. Um, so it's just looking at that little bit of a point of difference now it's, you know this might not be required at this stage of the season but you never know Jep coming into the end of the season where we might have to field some of those and the other thing that, that sort of played into my hands with uh Jace Burgon was that you know it's the last game of the season so the last game of the round last week so if we had something full on Sunday locker James Cicely out that I was really actually really comfortable with like playing a um, Jace Burgon in that defense so I I had emergency cover for uh, the midfield as well, so busy uh, DPP. So um, I sort of really targeted that one there to be a little bit different to the field. Uh, The third one there for me is looping in potential of high-owned players that can bust. So, you know, it might be a locker, James Sisley In those conditions at at GWS last week were quite poor. So it's, you know, it's potentially willing to bench one of those players. Or, you know, if if you had a defensive emergency... um, Playing before Sicily, that you know potentially scored you know 85, 90 points. You know what, what's the upside for Sicily in a game like that where it's really wet? It's uh, I didn't think it was going to be too much. It's not as if he's going to take you know 15 marks in that game. So you know if you had a potential um, player in there uh, to play before Sicily, uh, he scores 85, 90, uh, that's a situation where I definitely would have uh, benched Sicily for the week. So you've got to be willing to be to be doing that this stage of the season. But that comes back to a situation. And it doesn't sound like your team's quite healthy on the bench, but this is a situation where if you've got a really strong bench, and I think I do, is that you're willing to be taking those risks there at this stage of the season. You know, I don't mind playing a rookie that's scoring quite well, but not in advance, but it's just a definitely loop-in situation. So thoughts on any one of those, yet?
1: Oh, look, I agree with you. I suppose the, um, the advantage is the rolling lockout. And having that up your sleeve and trying to um, keep trades up your sleeve as well. But ultimately, you know, we've seen with locket, you know, getting locked out and not being able to roll back. It's quite um, catastrophic. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's ideal to, um, yeah, to nail everything and including backup and, and just holding trades and making the trades at the last minute. And also having, like, a backup trade scenario just in case it does go pear-shaped mm. um, for the guy you're bringing in.
0: Yeah, last week I did put onto my Twitter account that I felt that there was too, too way too much news floating about, and there was just stuff that never, actually didn't even eventuate last week that was floating about, like, uh, where I get all my uh, stuff from uh, privately. But, yeah, there was just... And that's why I posted the situation... You know, there's just, it might be a situation where you want to hold some trades for the week because, man, there were like 15 things going on. You know, the week before I had like pretty much nothing, so it was clear. So I might actually start to post that in, onto my Twitter feed now. If I think there's um, a little bit about, I might just post that same message where I think, you know, it might be worth um, holding uh, one or two trades for the weekend uh, because, it, you know, it's too much news flooding about, for, you know, it's, It's not always that, you know, something comes to fruition and actually, you know, there is a laid out or, you know, there is an illness or whatever. But last week there was just way too much chatter going on that that stuff could come out. But um, some of it did, some of it didn't. So it's not really a situation where you need to be alarmed. But if I'm posting it on there to say, listen, you might want to be holding trades, it actually, you might be just, you know, radar up and just on a high alert for a couple of days. especially for those really chasing some good rank to finish out the season. All right, Jep, so the other thing I just want to add in here is that, you know, attacking good matchups to finish out the year is actually, actually highly recommended. So two teams that we sort of need to be attacking at this stage of the season, definitely North Melbourne. Obviously, they're really struggling now um, coming into the end of the season and obviously still several weeks to go. So, you know, the, the bottom could fall out of that team and it just could be a free-for-all for those teams playing North Melbourne. And the other team is uh, Hawthorne. They're giving up a stack of disposals. Um, so just really gotta be targeting mids you know, mids against Hawthorne there to finish out the season. And obviously I'd be targeting sort of vice captain captain options into Hawthorne as well. Two teams that I'm not gonna mention in this situation where a few weeks ago, you know, they might have been in this this conversation, a uh, West Coast. You know this as well as what I do. Uh, you obviously Barry for West Coast, Jep. West Coast have really turned the corner. they were actually putting together some really good football, Jep. And and at the stage, you know, Richmond played really well in that first half of the game. And, and midway through the third quarter, West Coast are really pressing Richmond. I thought it was a quality game. But, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, five weeks ago, West Coast looked absolutely down on their feet. And they were giving up stacks of disposals. Um, you obviously witnessed it. But now they've actually turned the corner, so they're not an easy match-up now. So I wouldn't be going targeting anything against West Coast. Um, and the other one there is Essendon. I said a few weeks ago um, on this pod that, you know, the Bom- I expect the Bombers to finish out the season quite well. You know, historically, uh, recently, that their the finishes of the season have actually been quite good. So um, they were good on the weekend. They beat Sydney. So you've got to expect the Bombers to cause some several upsets to finish out the year. So just one of those things, you know, a couple of times a few weeks ago, I would have been in this conversation. They're now out, you know, and Hawthorne and North, Mil- North Melbourne are the teams to attack. Thoughts there, Jip?
1: Yeah, great. My, my team is up and coming and up and about and still think we just played to the stats of the teams that are leaking a, a, a lot of points. You know, if West Coast is going to be more competitive, it doesn't necessarily mean that the midfield is going to be lower. It just means that the forward half, those half-forward players or the goal-kicking players might um, not benefit so much. But, yeah, North Melbourne's still leaking a heap of fantasy points um, and breaking down all over the ground. I thought, um, you know, taking consideration these conditions as well, that Hawthorne-GWS game was one for the ages in terms of tackles. Um, so we could consider those things. Um, but, yeah, all in all, I think it's easier to identify those that month or six weeks of... Of a good run to finish the season um, and targeting those premier players within that.
0: Yeah, I reckon from about uh, yeah, let's say the buy period for West Coast. Anything before then, throw those stats out. They don't. That actually doesn't matter for me anymore. So you just want to be playing really recent type scenario stats with West Coast to see where they're at. And it's actually quite good. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be targeting West Coast for high high stuff. That's for sure. Alrighty, Jet. We are talking AFL fantasy season long classic. Mode. this discussion is pre-Round 17. This podcast is being recorded on Tuesday night, July 5, and, of course, the news is being crushed out for you on the AFR Ratings Network. The content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. And just a reminder there, if I see or hear any news floating about, just in private chats or whatever I've got, that... That hasn't really hit the airways yet. That I will post on my Twitter just maybe to hold one or two trades for the week. So just keep an eye out on for that as well. Already round 16, top 25 ownership. Uh, 20% or higher. I'll go I'll drop a few uh, percentage points on some uh, positional circumstances, Jep. So definitely on ground this. So the Rux Jep, uh, we got Darcy Cameron 96%, Sean Darcy 64%, Rolly O'Brien 32%, and Jared Wits 20%. Thoughts there?
1: Yeah, so Ryan's bumped up a little bit. Wits, I think I'd be worried for owners. I still don't think he does a lot of enough around the ground to to you know sort of justify and bump up his points. But the other two, and now Tim English is coming back into a mix, so it's going to be interesting if there's any movement.
0: Yeah, it should be a, a weight of ownership uh, filtering into you know English first, I would presume it, and then Gorn Jeb. So is that the way you would rank that? If tra- targeting English first, then Gorn.
1: I think um, English is, you know, the the engine's still good. He's been able to get the Ks under his legs in his time off. So he should be fit and raring to go where Gorney might be eased back into in terms of time on ground and and time in the forward half.
0: On to the defenders there, Jep. So James Sisley 92%. George Hewitt, 88%. Jaden Short, 84%. Jack struggled last couple of weeks, 84%. Jordan Dawson, 72%. The issue with Dawson is that, you know, he's great at half back, but yeah, he went forward late in that game against Melbourne and that's where the scoring really dried up in that last quarter. Um, post game Matthew Nix did say, you know, he's not locked into one position, so you've got to be expecting with Dawson, you know, it could be a bit of a situation where he's gonna float around that ground. And you know, again, they're missing finals, so Nix has said they're gonna mix up that uh, midfield uh, structure. So whether Dawson goes in there or not, that's not really the point, is that Dawson's not really locked into a half back role, so you might get some Uh, fluctuating scores there, but yeah, um, definitely uh, his scores in those first week quarters were quite elite. So 72% there for him, Sam Doherty just keeps going, 56%, and that's really low for the amount of scoring that he's putting out there. 56% is actually quite low. I've got to be thinking that that needs to be up near 90%. Uh, Lockie Whitfield, mid-range here, 52%, you know, if you're looking for somewhere alternative off, off of Sicily, you know, highly owned type player. You know, he's been really good this year, don't get me wrong. But if you're looking for an alternative, high-selling player, but he really hasn't shown that this year, Lucky Whitfield. And don't forget, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I said that, you know, he's struggling with that ankle injury. It's something he's going to have to deal with the remainder of the season. And so, you know, if you really want to go to Whitfield, you've just got to keep that in mind there as well. Jack Sinclair back to a fantastic score last week. He'll back in that team. Uh, sort of played a little bit around with the mix, the Saints did last week, but Sinclair just roamed around that Marvel stadium, just getting disposals at wheel is great to see. And I'll just drop, drop below 20% here. Uh, Nick Day was 12%, so obviously 100% ownership early in the year, Jep, and was outstanding on the Gold Coast on the weekend. Uh, just absolutely racked up disposals. So, you know, there's an alternative there, and he can certainly rack up a, a, a certain number of disposals. So I just wonder if teams are going to actually start to put in any... In any uh, time into Dacos, and that's actually that's what they did on the weekend. The Gold Coast they sent Holman to Nick Dacos, and you know, and Craig McRae uh, flipped the switch on Dacos, uh, Nick Dacos. That is, and he put him forward late. So you know, obviously someone is sitting forward. There's a bit of an issue with regards to scoring output, but he still got it done early, and he was fantastic early. So thoughts on any one of those, Jeff?
1: Dacos is one that sort of bit me. I got rid of him a while ago. <laughs> Um, for Zorko, no, no less. And, um, yeah, phenomenal game from him. Absolutely. Pretty much locked himself into the rising star cucks for the year. Um, but, yeah, Jack Sinclair, wow, what a game. And yep. just, he's just in loving that role and playing it so perfectly from a fantasy point of view, as well as a football point of view. So um, lots of like in the defenders. I think that's the most solid line. Yeah. Um, and the most assured line that we have in terms of top six.
0: So, I mean, obviously we're looking for points of difference to finish out the season. So, you know, I'm going to give you a group of players here. Which one are you willing to get off at this stage of the season and to flip onto someone with lower ownership? Is it Jack Crisp, Jaden Short, George Hewitt, or James Cicely Jep? So pick one that you might want to move off.
1: It's actually Short first. Um, he's just that midfield role ain't going to change, I don't think, anytime soon. And... Um, I believe that those, well, I believe most will try to jump off James Sicily just naturally, um, where I still think Sicily, although he's, he's taken kick ins and the conditions didn't suit him, but he can still get that ceiling score where short's sort of limited to 100, maybe 105 at best now. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would do first, but I'd try to get rid of Sicily and short if he could. On to the to there, Jep. So, Lockyer Neal, 100%. Jack
0: McRae, 88%. Tuke Miller, 88%. Andrew Brayshaw, 80%. There was a tag sent out to him last week. It wasn't really that hard. Didn't really notice it. And Brayshaw was outstanding late. He was just amazing. So, 80% there. Rory led, no shoulder concerns last week. He just put in another monster score, 80%. Clayton Oliver, 68%. Uh, Demons are firing again uh, on all cylinders. So, Petrarca and Oliver, they're the ones to, to get in. And if they start smashing teams, they're going to put up some monster ceiling games to finish out the year. So again, Oliver there at 68%, uh, Zach Merritt there 56%. Interesting, his disposal's gone down, but his scoring's uh, been actually quite solid. So, you know, just one of those things, you Just I've got a close watch on the Bombers, what they're doing, you know, it might be one of these not really full-on Hawthorne situations where less is more, but, you know, that that could be what we could be looking at from the Bombers, is that, you know, you know, might send Merritt forward to have more impact, uh, especially, you know, a midfield forward, I guess. So, you know, it's not really that disposal racking up high numbers for Merritt and Parrish is in that same boat, chip, So, it's a big watch on Essendon from my point of view. Is that, you know, the, the old chip mark uh, with Paris and Merritt that might be starting to end. So, really big watch on that from from my point of view on Essendon. So, Merritt's in that range. So, he's got some ownership there. So, he's one to keep a lookout for therefore for owners. Is that, that disposal count? You know that Obviously, they can hit high ceiling games, but yeah, yeah what uh, is happening in, in that midfield is it less might be more from the Bombers' point of view. Alright, so on to Josh Kelly at uh, 52%. Callum Mills struggled last week, as you said. Now, John Longmire, in his press conference this week, alluded to no real reason uh, as to why Mills really slowed down. So uh, he was fine from a f- fitness point of view, uh, he was fine from a uh, health point of view. Uh, the Bombers really didn't put that much work into him. Uh, But, yeah, off the ball, and he's just struggled for a score there as well last week. So I've got to expect a big rebound this week against the Bulldogs, but it's really not a really good matchup for Callum Mills because we know the Bulldogs are a high-disposal type team. So, yeah, it might be a decision there on Mills, but, you know, he can hit those high-ceiling games. But anyway, 48% there. Patrick Cripps scores starting the struggle there. I think it's almost time to jump off ship if you haven't already. So 40% there. Christian Petrarca, 20%. High-ceiling player, Jep. These, these are the ones we want to be targeting and really not much ownership there. Uh, Jack Steele, 20%, same boat, and we know he can rack up those high numbers. Sam Miles, 16%. Again, high-ceiling type player. And Cam Guthrie, if you want to go on to Geelong uh, to pop up some numbers there as well at 16%. So thoughts on any one of those, Jep?
1: The track one is good ownership numbers in terms of 20%, where that's where I would target. Um, no, no mention of Cloggage, with my new favourite player as well. So lots of movement potentially. Um, you know, Steele as well, Walsh, these guys, all high ceiling players that can get the job done to they finish the season.
0: Yeah, so in the defenders, I gave you a group of uh, four players and I told you to pick one that you might be willing to jump off. Now, these four players I'm going to mention here, I don't think there's a question whether to jump off because there's, I wouldn't be willing to jump off any of them. So my point being is that, you know, there's five players I'm going to mention here. I'd be holding them for the remainder of the year and finding your points of differences on your other mids. So these these five players, Jeb, I'd be pretty much holding, and it's Lockie Neal, Jack McRae, Miller, Andrew Brayshaw, and Rory Laird. Do you agree with that statement?
1: Oh, for sure, 100%.
0: So uh, I guess we need to start to find some unique ownerships on our other three mids. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. So, um, like, I've got Cripps this week, and he's one of my trade scenarios to get rid of him, um, for sure. I have been disappointed. Like, obviously, I started the year well, and it was mainly thanks to him. And now his demise has sort of been my demise, and I'm just dropping 100 ranks every week the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, fixing those sort of issues is, is important for me, um, and I'm sure for many other coaches, but um, yeah, it's it's just where you pull the trigger because a player that you trade out could turn up pretty comfortably in the in the week you trade him out. So it's trying to pick that, pick the match up. Cripps does have West Coast this weekend, but oh, it it makes me a little nervous. It's at Optus Stadium. I just he might get a few more marks, but um, yeah. Each coach, each, well, each scenario, each upgrade, most of our teams are all complete now. Um, just trying to pick the best situation. For me, the midfielders are the best-selling players in most cases, so I think I'll go there first. On to the forwards there, So
0: Josh Dunkley, 100%. Stephen Keneally, 100%. Will Brody, 96%. Marcus Bontempelli, 76%. Luke Parker, 52%. Adam Trelaw 40%. Uh, apparently should be okay to play this week. Uh, Mitch Duncan got there late, and he was actually really good on the weekend. Uh, 20%, and Tim Taranto, 20%. So my thoughts here, what's going to happen with ownership? I reckon, I reckon Taranto's going to get a big bump in ownership, Jep. Uh, Trelaw won't be the one to be traded out, even despite some ownership there as well. So my question to you here is... You know, are we sticking with pretty much Dunkley, Cornelio, Brody as a three? Because, you know, five, wasn't inside midfield on the weekend. So it's sort of what, what I'm thinking happen, is happening at Fremantle. Is it, you know, that might have resorted back to what they had early in the year? So, and that's Will Brody inside midfield. And if that's the case, and his scores are still being really good, I don't think there's any um, decision to be made unless we start seeing some poor scores. So, it's a hold for me on Brody, definitely, and Cornelio and Dunkley aren't going anywhere. So, do you agree with the statement that Dunkley Keneally and Cornelio and Brody are a hold and you need to find different spots on the other three forwards, Jip?
1: Uh, yeah, Cornelio and Dunkley is hold for the rest of the year, assuming no injuries. Will Brody, I still think he can float around, um, but at the time being, yeah, his role hasn't changed. He's in the inside mid, then he comes on the bench. He has a rotation or two or a quarter. Typically, he starts a quarter, he comes off, and then goes a quarter on, and it finishes a quarter. Um, You can come off twice in a quarter as well. So I've been monitoring my own players' um, bench rotations, and that's Brody's. Brody doesn't have a second position. It's just inside middle bench. Um, But your point earlier about assuming there's going to be a big jump in Taranto, that's where I would go different. See, Taranto, I would... I would sort of just bet against and go someone like a Himmelberg or someone, especially Tim English this week, who's a bit more expensive and it might be harder for most coaches to get to. Just getting that little bit of difference and and jagging it that way or trying to get a bump that way. Taranto was good, but I feel like Taranto was great because of the wet weather and the tackle numbers and obviously the height when it's wet weather. Pete, as you know, there's more stoppages and more opportunities for midfielders to score. So Titchell, uh, Cornelio, Josh Kelly, Taranto, they all dominated that game for that reason. So when they, when there's a free-flying game with less stoppages, it's got to be spread out more and someone's going to suffer. So just keep that in mind. Everyone's a bit on you know, high hopes for Taranto, as, as I do, and he's still a target, but this is where I mean. The point of difference, if the crowd is leaning towards Taranto just because of a massive score on the weekend why did he score the massive score? well, wet weather. what's the trend going to continue? I still feel like he's got a 70 oh sorry, more like a 50-50 split forward mid-time at the moment so yeah, targeting other players that um, with high ceilings obviously like Taranto that could go different and bigger is what I'd go to
0: yeah, and Jacob Hopper is on the radar to come in, Jep, so we know he's inside midfielder. so so we're back to almost a full complement of inside mids for um, GWS and we've seen Kelly on the outside recently in there as well. So, you know, Kelly's impacted here and we're back to the situation where, you know, the, the GWS are overloaded with quality mids, so it's just how many do you want to go? Uh, I'll go stack already, so... Uh, just whether I want to go there, you know, and actually stacking teams to finish out the year isn't a bad thing because if some, if like if it was GWS for example, if they get a hold of an opponent and just start racking up, you know, over 400 disposals, you might collect, cash in on three or four of those player, four, three or four of those high ceiling top games, I should say. So um, yeah, Toronto, I, I don't mind a Toronto pick. Um, last week, uh, uh, obviously Jackson, Luke Jackson, uh, it was actually quite nice owning Luke Jackson for that one week. That was outstanding. That's just a few of those I've had this year. i have owned for a week and had the trade straight out. So quite interesting. But so um, his score was great. Took it for a week, celebrated that, then out. And I went to my mate that I didn't want to go to. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if I... My Mitch Duncan news was, you know, potentially Geelong could rest. I actually ended up on Mitch Duncan. So I've got to be... I'm not happy about it, but obviously happy about the score on the weekend. But I'm not happy about that for the short term, so... Interesting to see where that goes out. So it's gone from one player to Luke Jackson there to Mitch Duncan. So it's, it's only trouble lurking for me around the corner. So yeah, you know, Duncan could be okay, but you know, obviously they played the Kangaroos last week, and that, that is what I was targeting. So already on to the next one, Jep. So who are your top three targets for round 17, assuming you don't own any?
1: So yeah, I've still got Human is at one point of difference high ceiling player, getting it done inside and out for Brisbane. Jack Sinclair, wow, that was just, wasn't a great game to watch. Um, Felt like he didn't have an opponent the whole game, (laughs) playing in defensive 50. So it was just a marvel to, to see, one, from a football perspective, not having an opponent doing as he wanted, and then two, from a fantasy perspective, just racking it up. So... Yeah, that continues, and then the last one's Petrarca. I um, I've sort of been on the fence, try well, on track for most of the year, where we heard a bit about his knee injury, but watching him move again on the weekend, he looked free flowing um, and not hindered at all. So he's another one I'd like to target.
0: Yeah, and again we don't chat pre pod, but yeah, my I got Petrarca in there as well, so. You know, if Melbourne gonna finish off their season quite well, I mean obviously they've got a tough match up this week against Geelong. Uh, but yeah, Petrarca and Oliver, if you wanna double stack them into your team, that that could be a bit unique and because if they get a hold of some teams, uh, you've got to imagine some elite numbers there coming in to finish out the season. So that's my second one is Clayton Oliver. So I'm going the Melbourne stack here. It's it's Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver. And you know, it's, I don't have Doherty, so uh, it's time to get sort of targeting Doherty because you know, obviously he can post that those 120, 130 games quite easily for the Blues. All right, so there, my three there, Jep. Already onto some notable low break evens. Uh, so we've got Callum Brown, uh, who's actually outstanding, um, one of the better players on the ground on the weekend. Kicked four goals, came in as late late inclusion there. So minus 17, so his job security ain't probably great, I wouldn't imagine, but, you know, he's going to get another opportunity for the short term, at least. Uh, but his scoring output won't be as strong, I wouldn't have thought. Um, Massimo D'Ambrosio, uh, outstanding again. Uh, minus 11, Jep, so his, his role is pretty much, I would consider, is locked in for the remainder of the year off that half-back line. Andrew McGrath coming back into that team, likely, this week. So, But I think uh, D'Ambrosio has been outstanding. Uh, I think job security is really high, so... It's still one to target, even though you're going to have to pay out a little bit up there. Jase Burgon, he was fantastic on the weekend, I thought. A few turnovers here and there, but I didn't think that was too much of an issue. You know, Port Adelaide is going to start to struggle to make finals now, and they're really under big pressure now. There's a Burgon might might start to see uh, more opportunities there. So minus four. James Tunstall is getting it done a little bit here, so he's up four there as well. And Zane True there last week. Uh, He was actually not bad in a couple of situations there. He's at 10. Thoughts on any one of those? Yep.
1: Yeah, Burgoyne 220 grand is probably the most economical out of that and I just don't trust Ken Hinckley <laughs> at all um, that makes me a little bit nervous but they did have an injury with um, Bonner so he Burgoyne's short-term job security might be okay I thought Tunster was an honest uh, you know as an honest performance and a pretty good one um, bit to build and he should stick around for a game or two Um and Zane Drew, yeah, my boy from West Coast, he, um, he he learns a lot playing Richmond. Obviously, faster tempo than what he's used to. But I think again, Adam Simpson's using this time to develop the youth with the old around him. As, as much as I'd hoped, we would, you know, have the whole year um, a mix of youth and and the experience to to hand over the reins and. And True is in the long-term plans for West Coast, so they'll stick with him for a one or two more as well. OK, Jep. Notable players potentially dropping in Celery
0: on the radar to target soon with a 130-plus break-even. So just a, a small group here there, Jet. So Callum Mills, 162. So that's climbed up really quickly there. Uh, Darcy Paris, 147. You know, potentially it's going to be a little bit more of a weight here on Parrish because, you know, again as I mentioned, Essendon is a big watch on what they're doing with their midge and how they you know, ball transition yet and not really sort of playing that slow ball movement, um, hanging onto the ball. It's it's a bit of a different mix than what we've seen with Parrish and Merritt. So 147, I don't even think he's a target anymore. So just a really big watch on that Essendon midfield again, as I said. Uh, Sam Dockett at 132, I pretty much would ignore that break even if you don't have him, trade him in if you have got the dollars. Jack Crisp there, 131, just creeping up with a couple of low scores there. So, thoughts there, Jeff?
1: Uh, yeah, I got laughed at by a few that when I suggested trading Jack Crisp, just as, a, again, a bit of a point of difference. I, I maintain that. I don't... Um, although he's going to hit one or two ceiling scores for the rest of the year, I, I just feel like you can do better and and gain grounds. Um, but, yeah, obviously, Callum Mills should bounce back. Doherty, we know what he can do.
0: Yeah, Jack, Chris had a couple of things going on recently, so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I think he's okay health-wise, so... um, Yeah, he still can get there from a selling point of view, and obviously, you know, a bit of a wet game there last week on the Gold Coast, so, um, yeah, I... I pretty much want to get one more look at Chris before making the decision there whether to trade him out or not. So one more look for me before making any decisions there. Already notable strong scoring output with a one fifteen plus average last three rounds, Jep. So a group of players here, Rory Lead one thirty, Clayton Over one twenty eight, Hugh McCluggage one twenty-three, that's your man, Jordan Dawson there at one twenty-two, Ken Guthrie one twenty-one, Jack Varney with a big scroll in there at one nineteen, Steve Canelia one seventeen, and Tuke Miller one sixteen. Thoughts Jep.
1: I mean, they've just been in outstanding form, all of them, even Guthrie, who we sort of said all year, stay away from Geelong players, but he, he's proved us wrong. He's kept going and going. So any one of those in your team, even Viney, with the way Melbourne are up and about with his mates around him, um, you couldn't go wrong there, could you? So uh, probably watched the Jordan Dawson move. I, I still feel like he goes half back and that like you mentioned before, that move forward did happen late. He kicked a goal out of it as it as it happened. Um, but then he struggled thereafter. So hopefully that doesn't continue. I just felt like um, Nick's just pulled the lever to try it, win the game, and it didn't quite work.
0: Yeah, so for me, it's still Dawson there at the half-back line, but yeah, you know, Adelaide have said recently as well, is that, you know, when they've got a game under control, is that Dawson will be uh, in, in around that um, half back line, but when they need to chase a score, uh, and that's when Dawson is going to go forward. So, you now it was actually not a bad game. I thought that Adelaide Melbourne game. So, you know, Mel- Melbourne were in control, and you know, Adelaide needed to hit that scoreboard late, and that's where Dawson goes forward. So, you know, for pretty good matchups, I would wouldn't be too concerned with Dawson because I think he's going to be sitting at the half back range. You know if Athletic are in control of games, but you know if they're needing to chase the score, you do expect that Dawson can go, can go forward. Now with Dawson, like obviously um, uh, watching him carefully recently as well, is that he can you know go five or six minutes where he just does not score at all, he just does not get any any change of positions, and then he just goes nuts. Like he can he can rack up 30 points within about five minutes. So he did that a couple of times on the weekend. So. You know, if he gets a game of that, Jep, man, if he gets a game, a full game of just actually exploding, he, uh, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too surprised if he puts up one really big monster score, and that's what I thought he was going to do on the weekend. Uh, he's got the cap, certainly got the capability to post a 150 plus jet. So, you know, if he can get a hold of a game where he just hits at half back and just be in amongst it you know, look at, it. I reckon he can post a monster score. And interestingly enough, I thought it was a really good match-up for Dawson and sit the half-back, all day last week. I actually, I didn't like McCray as captain, obviously, to score low last week. I actually went into um, uh, my captain option as Dawson on the weekend, so I nearly popped off a monster, but anyway, it scored close to 130, so I was quite happy with that. So. Really interesting why I decided to go with Dawson because I, re- I reckon he can pop off a big one there to finish out the season. All right, Jeff, so on to a few key players for the listeners to finish off. Time to play like or dislike to finish off the podcast. We are going to do a 37-pack to finish off. Uh, thank you, as always, for sending those in. It's always a good discussion point to finish off the pod. Jep, already Max, go on like or dislike. No, i like,
1: oh, again like. Again people recently tried to trade in Taranta off the bat to hope for a big ceiling score straight in. He had some VFL game, and I think the, the thing with Gorn here is he was held back a, somewhat for the extra week. I think he'll be wearing to go. Uh, Geelong is going to be a formidable, formidable opponent. Luke Jackson's obviously injured um, and unlikely to play. So a lot of factors here, depending on who your R1, R2 is, or a lot of us have Darcy Cameron in, in the rucks at the minute, so you could pef- flip an underperforming forward um, to, to Max Corn as well. So I'm really for it. I, I know some people have reservations, and fair enough, too. You could hold back and wait and see how he goes, and if there is more time forward than we probably would have hoped, but it's unlikely Jackson's playing at this point. Uh Gawn's going in solo rock. I think it is almost a must trade. Yeah, I'm a, I'm on the fence with Gorn, so I'm happy to see uh, one week
0: out before I make a decision. So i will just probably sit on the side of dislike at this stage. Um, I don't think that Jackson situation uh, impacts him too heavily because that wasn't the situation before he got injured and Jackson was in the team. So I don't I think that's irrelevant uh, for me. Uh, so yeah, I'm, but I'm just happy to want I want to see him at full health back in that team. So let's see how we go. I'm happy to wait. On to Tim Taranto, um, so I'm going to say it's a like for me.
1: Uh, no, I'm going to say dislike. I'm going to, going to flag this player and, and go against the mould and go against the grain. He's one I'm happy to bet against with Hopper, you know, a week or two away. He, he played his first week of VFL. It looks like he was on reduced minutes by the look of his stats. Um, he probably had one or two more weeks in the VFL and then come in and create havoc for positions so I'm happy to, to stay off him and, and let others take the punt with him which is fine um and then yeah obviously the back injury could be a lingering injury as well so all in all I'm going to say
0: dislike on to Jacob Popper uh, not off uh, long term injury, so dislike for me yeah
1: dislike straight out straight out
0: Harry Himmelberg um uh, started D50 again um McFay spoke about Himmelberg again uh, post game. So uh, it doesn't seem to be 100% locked Himmelberg for the for that season. He's all, he's left the door open. So at uh, one week, we might cop a forward situation for Himmelberg. But I'll just want to see that first before I make any move. So I'm still going to sit on the side of the fence and say, like for Himmelberg, yet.
1: Yeah. Big like for me, mate. I, I've mentioned him before. I think he's a good point of difference going into the last part of the season.
0: Uh, Tom is already getting there again. Scores have been elite. so um, But I have said previously dislike, and I'm going to sit on the side of saying dislike again because there has been some ownership go on to Liber, Um and you've got to imagine uh, at some stage that you know once you get a bit of a heavy hit on ownership that you'll be looking at um, going against others in that situation. So you know, I'm happy to look elsewhere on Libra, um, that's for sure. So at dislike for me.
1: Uh, yeah, dislike like for me as well. Although he's performed better with Bailey Smith, I think the weeks have passed now where you should have jumped on, and it's time to um, find a bit someone a bit better of value that can have an equally high ceiling. Jack Steele, like for me. Yeah, big like for me too. I think where St Kilda are out trying to make finals, he's got a lead from the front, and it's going to be some big games for him.
0: Kitty Coleman, uh, it's a like now, and it's a like probably at the start of next year. Let's Hopefully his price doesn't get out of control for next year, Chip. So,
1: so no Zorko, no Rich. Um, it's Coleman at half back as a distributor now, so big like. Do you trade him in? Oh, I think that might be pushing it, but um, owners obviously hold and rejoice.
0: Uh, Cripps, uh, it's a trade situation now. I I've, heard, I've this around the bye period. Let's see how it comes out of the bye period. The score, ceiling gains have sort of started to really disappear, Jep. So for me, it's a time to get out of there. It's a dislike for Crips.
1: Dislike for me as well, buddy. I, um, I'm an owner, like I said, and I'm incredibly frustrated by his performances, so he'll be going. Lucky,
0: with few important difference. Again, flagged the
1: ankle injury. is going to have to deal with for
0: the rest of the season, So, but still, it's a like for me.
1: Yeah, he did way better in the wet than I thought he would. Um, You know, and got in amongst it at times as well when he had to. But, uh, yeah, light as well. Probably a little bit underrated given how he's treated his owners this season. So, one to watch uh, to finish off the year with, obviously, we know he can hit 130 plus quite comfortably. Hugh McCluggage, big light for me. Yeah, big life for me as well, mate. I um, watch him so closely. He's big on my radar, and I'll be honest with the listeners, bit of a scheme. At the moment, it's it Paddy Cripps to Hugh McCluggage. That's my trade, um, or one of them. So I just like his time split between inside and out. Um, inside, he can get some tackles and get his hands on it, obviously, and then outside, he can get those three plus sixes, and we obviously know how good a mark he is as well. Already Christian
0: Salem. So I've said previously dislike. Just got there in the weekend as well. Scores have been actually pretty solid the last four weeks. I'm still going to sit on the side of saying dislike here, but not by much yet.
1: Dislike for me. Like I said before, the, diff- the back six are pretty set in terms of position um, and high ceilings and even seven and eight. So he's not one of them. Avoid dislike. Uh, Jaden
0: Stevenson, obviously Aaron Hall goes out injured, unlucky that situation, Jep. So it's again we talked about it last week. It's a time to take on some risk, and those that took on Hall took on a stack of risk, and and obviously it just didn't work out. Um, uh, it, and obviously he only played a few minutes, and he just racked up those points earlier. I thought he was in for a big monster game, uh, but yeah, it just didn't work out from that sort of view. Side of uh, view, so a bit unlucky there. So we get Jaden Stevenson, who sort of played that role. But, you know, it's a big dislike here. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. Uh, Hall's not out long-term at this stage. Uh, they're going to reassess, so it's potentially one- or two, two-week two situation. Now, Jack Seaborg is going to flag that he's due back to play this week. Kangaroos have struggled um, in that D50, given obviously giving up, up a stack. Now, what we did see last year... Uh, is a Zeeble play half back so he might be one of those ones to go back to fill that hole, so just really keep that on the radar, and if that's the case, is that is not playing that role, so big dislike here big watch on Zeeble whether he goes to half back this week
1: Yeah, that is interesting mate. I didn't think about that, I uh, probably thought they'd stick with Stevenson, um just as a bit of a trial, given they got nothing to lose, but yeah, definitely keep an eye on Zeeble now um, I think you're on a winner there, and that might be a, a little uh, curveball to finish the season with uh, defender-forward status in Zebel. So, and he's just 400. I've just checked, 480k. So, wow, we um, we might have our round 18 trade or one of the trades locked in already. Yeah. So
0: the other situation there is that David Noble said recently as well is that Tarrant Thomas might actually get a look in um, at half back. So, you know, it's it's I'm not I'm not really saying target Zebel but uh, for me, uh, it's really it's a fluid situation at North Melbourne. Like, anything is possible at that club to finish out the season. And that is obviously off-field, but that's it's, it, it's going to translate onto on-field jet. So, who knows what the hell is going to happen in that team. And therefore, I'd really, sort of, really avoid players from that team. But, you know, Simpkins is one of those players. I think we've got him in here, the line-up here. Uh, but, yeah, he's one of those players that's actually doing well at that situation at the moment. But, yeah... Uh, it's probably a void. I don't, like, I'm not really sort of into Zabel, but, you know, if we do see it this week and, and Hall's longer term, that might be one to keep an eye out for. But other than that, but not really keen in that in that situation there for me. Alrighty, Jep, on to the next one. Ben Key. so for me, out Adelaide, again, missing the finals. Fluid situation. We've seen Saligo go into that inside midfield, is what I suggested quite a few weeks ago, and it happened on a weekend. It was good to see. And he's obviously, you know, they flew... The uh, Saligo we had in there, we had Schoenberg in there, and we had Berry in there as well. So, you know, the, the Crows are... Re- and Matt Crouch is out of his team, Jet, So they're willing to look to the future rather than the present. So therefore, you know, Keys is obviously in there is a really good player, can score. So, you know, if we get in, in any more of those situations where Matthew Nix and the Adelaide coaching staff are thinking about the future... You know, you've got to expect that uh, the Keys might see a little bit of diminished midfield usage to finish out the season because they really want to give these guys time in that inside midfield role. I think Lared's inside midfield, I'm pretty happy with that situation. I think it's close to 100% that that's not going to change. Um, so, from that situation where it's Keys, it's a dislike for me. A
1: yeah, dislike for me, buddy. I agree. There's a few too many guys going through there. Lared's the only assured bloke as an inside mid. So. Although Keys played playing really well on the weekend, it's probably up and down, and I can think of five players, midfield with primos off the bat, that I'd like ahead of him.
0: I to Jared Witts, so, yeah, it's a dislike for me. It's cool. I mean, he can get there with his hit outs and, and can post 100, but, yeah, uh, if you don't have English, i will be sort of hitting, hitting on English, and if it's um, if you can get from Witts to Gorn, I'll probably go there as well. So, Jared Witts, dislike for me. Yeah,
1: dislike for me as well.
0: Jack Crisp So I'm going to say like But it's a really short lease here It's one more look And then we decide next week Whether he goes for it So for me still like
1: Yeah I'll say still like as well But he's on thin ice in my team
0: Yeah Tim English I'm going to say like straight off the bat Yeah big like for me too uh, Luke Jackson obviously yeah, he Could be so aligned uh, this week as well So uh, when we're talking about a knee injury yeah, Just get out of there So no issues here for Jackson Big dislike
1: yeah, just like
0: owners need to trade him. Andrew Brayshaw, uh, big ceiling player type player. Uh, tried to have attention last week from Port, and obviously that didn't work. So high ceiling top player, he's going nowhere for for those owners. So I would be saying massive like you. You there. a like for me as
1: well, proud
0: owner. Uh, Liam Baker, I just think there's other options here. So from that point of view, that you know you can get a higher top ceiling player. And he, he really struggled in that first half on the weekend, against the Eagles. I think he was just in that low 20-point range at halftime, and he got there in the end really late, really, really late. So from that point of view where he can put up a low-floor-type game, uh, it's a big dislike here.
1: Yeah, it's quite surprising. I um I almost brought him in last week. Thankfully, I didn't. Because um, I thought he'd perform way better than that. Yeah, he finished on 83, like you said, but... oh. I don't know. He just looked a bit lost. He started on the... It's not as if his role wasn't there. That's the other thing. So you'd have to say dislike.
0: Uh, Callum Brown, so obviously a basement type price. I don't think the, the job security is quite that strong. I'd be tr- certainly trying to hit on uh, Jace Burgon instead. So um, from with regards to if you need to eliminate any type of player uh, that you don't mind not playing in a few weeks, from that point of view, it's a like. But yeah, obviously uh, job security is an issue here, Jeff.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and he, look, he's done enough to hold his spot for at least one more week, but you, you can't look any further than that, and 41 grand difference between Burgoyne and Brown, and, and that's a lot to me, it might not be to other coaches, if it isn't to other coaches, then you could jump on either, but um, yeah, I'm still on the Burgoyne camp.
0: So we go to Nick Dagos, so if you wanna to look to a little bit of a unique situation, uh, that's a big like here for me. Um, but yeah, but just keep in mind that Suns did target him late in that game and, and McRae made the move for him to go forward. So you yeah, just gotta kind of wonder if team's gonna to start to put in, a, in um, some type of tension on Dagos. And you know, the Pies have had a fantastic year. Um, so they're, they're headed towards finals at this stage. So, you know, if that's the case and they're coming up uh, you know, against an equal opponent. Chasing a final spot, that you know, Dagos might be the one to be targeted. So, from that point of view, keep a watch out. But, big luck here for me.
1: Uh, dislike for me, although he got 117 last against the Suns and he plays in North Melbourne this week, he did score 66 against the Giants the week before that. So, it can be a bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, admittedly, his game against Golko Sun will see him poll Brownlow votes, in my opinion. He was phenomenal. Um, but, we need consistent ceiling scores from here on in, ideally, and I don't think Dacos will provide that.
0: Darcy Parrish. So I'm on the fence here now with Parrish. Uh, obviously, we've, what we've seen previously is high ceiling type player in that same boat as well. What I've said a couple of times already on the pod, big watch on the Essendon midfield, what they're doing, ball transition, hanging on, hanging on to the ball, ball movement. So... You know that might start to eliminate you know, some points off like Merritt and Parrish. You know if Merritt can hit the scoreboard last week, he posts a big number. But if he doesn't he's around that hundred range, we need high ceiling type players. So it's a big watch on here. Parrish, I'm gonna be sort of maybe it's controversial. I'm not too sure, but I'm gonna say a bit of a dislike here for, just for the short term. I just want to see what's happening with that Essendon midfield jet.
1: No, just like for me as well. I, I again I can although he ticks all the boxes in terms of criteria, I still feel like there's four or five ahead of him.
0: Uh Jaden Short, I still like. I'm not moving any anything on short, so still a lot.
1: No, I'm gonna be I'm disliked. I um there's no time to muck around, he's highly owned. He doesn't have a ceiling playing in the midfield anymore, so let's get creative.
0: On to Toot Miller, big like for me.
1: Yeah, big like for Tuke Miller for obvious reasons. He he's the catalyst for the Suns in the midfield and if they're gonna push towards finals then um he's gonna be a big part of it, doesn't he?
0: Jack Sinclair, high-ceiling type player, love it. Yeah, love it as well. Uh, same Boat, Sam Doherty here, love it. High-ceiling type player, big target.
1: Yeah, got to have him.
0: Uh, Jordan Dawson, as I said, he, he, I reckon he's got some chance to pop off a monster here to finish out the season. So it's a big like from that perspective, but just keep in mind he does get moved around yet. So a like for me.
1: Uh, still a like for me. He, um, Yeah, against Hawthorne this week, I think there's another
0: monster sort coming. Jase Burgoyne, obviously, really good on debut last week. So for those that don't know him, Burgoyne, big like for me. Yeah,
1: like for me as well.
0: Bailey Dale, a bit of an alternative in that defence there, Jep. So I don't mind the pick, but I just think there are better options. So I'm going to say like, but you know there are better options there. You know the top ranked top mid uh, defenders there, Jep. So like
1: for me. Uh, yeah, look, it's a dislike for me. I suppose the questions come from not having Caleb Daniel around. And he did score 117 on the weekend, so and 98 the week before that. So I can understand why. I just feel like, again, that I've said it a few times in this pod, that defensive 6 to 7 and 8, those those players are pretty locked in. So I want to say just like...
0: Yeah, Caleb Daniel, two to three weeks out uh, with that knee injury as well. Christian Petrarca, like for me. Yeah, massive luck for me too. Sean Darcy, you're playing with fire, but we need to take on risk at this stage. You know, the question I'm going to ask you, Jeff, is are we going to see those high-ceiling games? Because, you know, they've been there previously. Good matchup last week, and he got there, uh, but really no ruck to play against. So are we going to see that situation, well, his score situation present itself for the remainder of the year? Um, it's high risk, high reward. Um, so I'm going to say like, but two questions here. Do you like or dislike? And are we going to see some of those scores?
1: Yeah, I agree with what your sort of your, your sentiment is here. With he, he had everything on a platter, and he only scored when I say only scored 107. He really should have scored 120 plus in that game. Now, you might say Jeff, it's only 13 points, but these points add up, and um, you have got to take your opportunities for four quarters, and he didn't quite do that. So I'll say like, but non-owners can can you know bet against him and, and probably sleep comfortably.
0: Yeah, I'd be going Tim English over Sean Darcy if you can afford that situation there. Anyway, already on to the next one. So uh, just an option to throw in there in the mix with regards to low basement players and West Coast here are going on a youth policy to finish out the year when there's a decision decision to be made on a more experienced top player and a youth player. Are they going to give opportunities? Uh, Adam Simpson is on record saying that as well. So we're talking about Zane True here. So you know, just throw him in the mix. You know, if you don't have him, he might be a target this week, yet.
1: Uh, yeah, I um, will say like I think he's got one or two games to play this season at least. Um, but just keep in mind, it's yeah, it's, it's they're trying to blood their their youth and give them opportunities. I did like his role. I didn't expect his role to be um, inside and outside mid. So um, he started a couple of set and bounces as well, which my eyes darted open. But he was next to Shuey and um, Redden in. in in some of those instances. So you can understand that mix. Um, and, yeah, he's a cash cow option, so we are going to say like
0: Yeah, uh, actually pretty decent Mid- uh, midfield usage. So uh, it was quite kind of good to see. So another option there for those that don't own. Dan Rioli, half role, is actually really good. Um, really scored well on the weekend, so just throwing the mix. But, yeah, obviously there are higher ceiling-type players to target, but, you know, if you're really struggling for coin out there, and Rioli is an option. So from that point of view, I like, but, you know, from the point of view that there are better options out there, it's a dislike for me.
1: Yeah, dislike for me as
0: well, buddy. Isaac coming, so we know he can rack up these scores, jep So, you know, if imagine if, you, you know, if you're playing a bit of a GW stack to finish out the year, if you go Himmelberg and coming in that um, defence, and if they start chipping that ball around to each other, yeah, you might be able to double up there on some points there. So the correlation between Cumming and Himmelberg, if they get going to finish out the year, might be a good one to target. So I don't mind the pick. It's a bit of unique year for Isaac Cumming. But, yeah, we know he can score, Jeff.
1: He can. I also dislike as well um, with Himmelberg too. We've got to remember defender status is coming for him. Not that it really matters because he's more value to us in the forward line, I think, but... Um, yeah, let's... Uh, I Imagine if you all went through, you know, GDOS or COVID, heaven forbid, and we just got all these players. I think it's too much. So just like...
0: On to Joy Simpkin. So uh, Scores have been there recently. You know, if, if, obviously is going to struggle to win a game for the remainder of the year. If that's the case, he's not really... I wouldn't imagine that he's any chance to be targeted from a tag situation, Jep. So unless they're in with a game... Uh, with a chance of winning, you know, I wouldn't imagine it's even... Maybe it's not even one game to finish out the year that they're in with a chance late. I can't see him getting a tag. Uh, So if he's not going to get a tag, and if um, the Kangaroos are going to concede a stack of inside 50s, which we expect that they will do, and if he's going to roam free, I've got to imagine that he's going to start to see some big numbers to finish out the season. His recent form has been really good, but, yeah, it's one of those situations where... If I was going to go a North play at this stage, it might be Simpkin because you know who's going to who's going to tag any North player? They're just getting tranced every week. So might be a situation where it's just a Chipperan gaming. It's North to finish out the year. And on the opposite opposite side of that is that Simpkin's on the Chipperan play from the North Melbourne point of view. So I actually like the pick now. So um, I, I you know, had, a, had a bit of a think about this one over the last you know, few days or whatever. So I, I kind of like the pick here. It's a bit of a unique, uh, you know, but we're talking about we really want the high, high ceiling type players. And when we've got five, say, five mids in our ten that are really high ceiling type players, then this might be one you might want to take a bit of a risk on uh, Simkin there. So I actually don't mind the pick yet. What's
1: the dislike? I just feel like, with North Melbourne getting thumped every week, it's harder for guys like Simpsons to score. So I'm trying to target, and in not all cases, you know, every case is different, but in this case, yeah, try to target the players either vying for a top eight spot and really got got to go head down bum up from this point onwards, or a top four spot. Even in, in other cases like Brisbane and. And I've harped on humour cluggage a lot, so um, yeah, also dislike on Simpkin. Uh, Josh Kelly still like for me. Uh,
0: scores are still going to be there for me. Um, you know, if you've got Kinnear and and Kelly in your team, and maybe even Toronto there. I know you said you don't like, but you know if you've got others in their team that, you know, if GWS get 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 going in any type of game, and if you've got Whit- Whitfield in there, and they start chipping that ball around, we know they can post high uh, ceiling type games. So for me, um, I'm going to still say like for Josh Kelly.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say like as well, I still think he can get it done. I, he was moving a lot better even in that wet weather and trying to command the ball a lot more. There's a few times I was watching him, uh, he didn't get fed the ball by his teammate and he gave him a dirty look. So that's always a good sign that he's hungry for the footy in his hands and getting those points. Um, the run for g in the next month is Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Carlton and Sydney, which isn't the best, but I still think because they're competitive games and some of them contested games, I think it'll go really well.
0: Final thoughts ahead of round 17, Jeff?
1: Well, look, it's it's a matter of nailing these trades now. Um, and I'd really harp on trying to be different without being silly. Um, go for low ownership, sort of high ceiling players, as we've said, and, um, you know, enjoy the round. It's, it's going to be... A few player role movements that we need to keep an eye on, like North Melbourne, the Zeebel thing, maybe that's something for us to to get hungry about. But, um, yeah, enjoy the round of footy, make sensible trades. Um, But, yeah, I'm going point of difference now. Yeah, for me, I'll touch back on
0: to what I said in the pod earlier uh, to begin with. Is it, you know, finding that situation where you think uh, there's going to be some ownership or not only just ownership, a decision to be made, like a captain situation or a trade-in rookie target. So it's just a situation to have a bit more clarity and think about it and can it get you an extra few points here and there. And that's what we're talking about this stage of the season. So yeah, just having a big think about what the majority are going to do or what those uh, around your position are going to do on where you are ranked and then just trying to hit up something different uh, but not just something different to be different, but something quality different that matches or can either exceed what their their popular decision can be. So it's really have a think about what that is going to be, and you know look look choose a different path. So but but choose a different path that can be successful, not just choose a different path just to be different, uh, because there's a big difference in that. And obviously just trying to be different to be different uh, can be turn out to be a pretty bad result. So uh, be very sharp on that situation. Alrighty, Jeff. All the best to you this week and all the best to the listeners. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thanks, guys.